Wow. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, praise team and choir for leading us in worship. Let's thank them again for leading us this morning. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for that good news, that through faith in Jesus, we are justified in your sight. Not because of anything we have done, not because of any of our good works. The things we have done deserve death, separation from you. Yet you sent your Son to pay our penalty on the cross, so that by faith in him we could be justified in your sight. We don't deserve that. So it's no wonder you call it grace. And we thank you for that great grace in our lives. I pray that if there is anyone with us this morning who has never received that forgiveness, that salvation that you offer, that today, that today would be the day they choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ. That they step into that forgiveness. Father, for those of us who have, I pray that in our great joy of salvation, we would be eager to share that good news with others. As always, we pray you'd be honored and glorified this morning as we get ready to look at your word. Help us not just to understand it, but to be challenged by it, encouraged by it, to apply it to our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I was reading about a Christian in China who was imprisoned by authorities and tortured for months because of his faith. Unfortunately, stories like his are all too common for Christians who do not attend church-approved, or excuse me, government-approved churches in China. According to the World Watch List, China is the 17th most dangerous country in the world for a Christian to live out their faith. The government there regularly surveils churches, and only state-sanctioned churches are authorized places of worship. So house or underground churches are often raided, closed, and their leaders are imprisoned. In recent years, churches in China have been demolished. Crosses have been removed. There was a report that in one province, the people were forced to remove Christian artwork and images and replace them with posters of China's ruler, Xi Jinping. The communist government there has made little effort to disguise their hatred of true Christianity. And there have even been reports of their desire to rewrite the Bible. In fact, a university in China recently published a textbook for teaching ethics and law. And in the book, they rewrote a story from the Bible. So that at the end of the story, Jesus murders someone and then says, I too am a sinner. But look, none of these things should surprise us. The world hates Jesus. And the story they heretically rewrote is a story that shows the love to a sinful world. So of course the world would want to change that. Because if Jesus is a sinner, then he's no better than me and you. Then, then he did not take our punishment on the cross because he couldn't be a perfect savior. Then our sins are unpaid. Then we are still lost. Our faith is worthless. And we are, as Paul said, most to be pitied. But thankfully, none of those things are true. Just like their sinfully rewritten version of the biblical narrative. 
What is true is that our sinless Savior came to seek and to save the lost. To bring forgiveness and salvation and to offer a pardon from the punishment of hell for all who come to him in faith. Because without him, we are lost. Because only he has the power to pardon us from the consequences of our sin. Let's see that together this morning as we turn to the true story of what happened. The story some have tried to change. The story that begins in John chapter 7 verse 53. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there with us this morning. John chapter 7, verse 53. And as you turn there, let me address a note that you may find in many of your Bibles. As you approach John chapter 8, you may see something indicating that many of the early biblical manuscripts do not contain John chapter 7, verse 53 through John chapter 8, verse 11, which is true. And that should make us wonder why it's included at all in our Bibles. Well, a lot of scholarly work has gone into this story in its context and history and archaeology and the old manuscripts that do contain it. And many agree to the historical reliability of the story, although its chronological placement here in John is still debated. Now, in this story, there are so many things that can distract us, just like in life. But just like in life, believers, let's be sure to keep our eyes on the Savior. Let's begin together in John chapter 7, verse 53. It says this. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, we're going to pause right here in the middle of verse 6. Here, the people were surrounding Jesus, listening to his powerful teaching. They must have been they must have been enamored. I can only imagine that all of the noise, all of the busyness of the temple adultery. She broke the seventh of the Ten Commandments. The Mosaic Law prescribed the death sentence as the penalty for this breach of morality. So they throw her in the middle and they call on Jesus to pronounce her sentence. This, this was the trap. But how so? Well, the way these leaders saw it, Jesus had two options. He could say that this woman didn't deserve to be punished. That would be seen as him opposing the Mosaic law. The people would have really turned on Jesus. They would at least abandon him, either of which the religious leaders would have been happy with. Or Jesus could condemn the woman to death. Now, that would line up with the Mosaic law, but it would shock the people who saw Jesus as compassionate and loving. Not only that, but the Jews didn't have the authority to execute 
people. That's why these religious leaders later had to convince Pilate to condemn Jesus to death for them. So if Jesus was responsible for turning the people loose to stone a woman, well, he would have been in trouble with Rome. They were sure that they had finally got him. They must have been so, so proud of themselves. I mean, all that they had to do was lie in wait so that they could catch someone in sin, make them a public spectacle, and then wait a little longer so that the people could revere them instead of Jesus. I mean, it's so obvious that they weren't sincere. They admitted that this woman was caught in the act of adultery, yet the law stipulated that both individuals in that sin were guilty, and they only dragged the woman before Jesus. They weren't concerned with justice. They were just concerned with making Jesus look bad. So let's see what happens. Second part of verse 6 says this. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now let's pause right here. Don't forget, don't forget who these hypocritical, nasty bullies were. They were the religious leaders of the people. No wonder why the people were described in Matthew chapter 9 as sheep without a shepherd. Look at their spiritual leaders. These were the moral role models of the people. Praise the Lord, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Because we are so wicked as humans, and we have this long history of following guides who are just as spiritually blind as we are. I love how Jesus responds to the initial outburst of the leaders by not saying anything. He just starts writing in the dirt. <laughs> that, that must have really annoyed them. Because they were so eager to get this going. They were so eager for Jesus to look like a fool. So they try and put the pressure on him. Come on, Jesus, why aren't you answering? Are you scared to answer? Why don't you say something? There's been a lot of speculation about what, what Jesus was writing on the ground. It can be a lot of fun to consider all that. But if we needed to know it, God would have told us. What we do need to know is right here. And what we need to know is what Jesus said. He looked at these accusers who were yelling at him as they pointed at this woman standing in the middle ashamed. And as his eyes met theirs, he simply tells them that anyone there who is guiltless, sinless, who is truly capable of carrying out perfect justice, they ought to throw the first stone. So the older accusers left first. They were a little wiser. They had sinned a little longer than everyone else. So they were the quickest to go. Until just the youngest of the accusers realized the others were gone, he dropped his rock and left too. They laid out this trap. They were so, they were so confident until Jesus told them the truth. Just like there are so many people today who are so confident that they can disprove God's existence and His goodness and His love and mercy until the day comes that they stand before Him and realize the truth. The truth is, if there is someone in this story who represents all of us most, it isn't the crowds who are listening to Jesus, waiting in suspense for Him to give an answer. 
It isn't the religious leaders, even though there are many people who find joy in pointing out the sins in others' lives. No, it's the woman. The truth is that all of us are like that woman. Because all of us are sinners. We all deserve death for our sin, including the crowds and the religious leaders. The Bible says the just punishment for our sin is an eternal death in a place called hell. This woman must have been so ashamed. She must have so wished that she hadn't been caught or that she had never committed this lewd act of adultery. She must have wished that she could just disappear from that place and be anywhere else. Like most people, she had probably been content up to this point in life with sin so long as she could hide it. So long as no one knew or no one got hurt, she probably thought that all her sin was okay. This must have been the most embarrassing and terrifying thing to ever happen in her life. Yet, as we're about to see, what these wicked leaders meant for evil would result in the greatest good in her life. Remember what I said earlier, there's a lot going on in this story. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Look at verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. It was only now in this woman's life, when there was nowhere for her to go, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run but to the feet of Jesus, that she would finally find the only true peace, the only true forgiveness and the fullest acceptance that she had ever known. Has anyone condemned you? He asked. Trembling, terrified, and absolutely guilty, she realizes that no one has. And then Jesus said, Neither do I. Understand, Jesus wasn't ignoring her sin. He wasn't endorsing her sin. Jesus wasn't being soft on sin. He wasn't refusing to take adultery seriously. Jesus took adultery far more seriously than the bloodthirsty religious leaders did. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that if you even look at someone with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Now, Jesus knew that she was guilty. That's why he said, leave your life of sin. You want to know what's going on in this story? All these unjust judges with impure motives and sinful hearts came calling for someone's execution while ignoring their own wickedness and the punishment they deserve. They were just as guilty as she is. And Jesus looks at this woman and he forgives her. Because as the just judge, Jesus is the only one there with the right to condemn her. And as the sinless Savior, he is the only one there with the power to pardon her from the consequences her sin deserves. Rest assured, one day everyone will stand before Jesus in judgment. But when he came to this earth, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So when this lost and guilty sinner stood in front of him, he extended to her the same forgiveness he offers to us today. Forgiveness from the sins that cause us to stand guilty before the Lord. Sins deserving of death. Sins that are separating us from God. 
and believers understand that at one time in our lives, we stood in the same place that this woman did. Listen to what Titus chapter 3 says, believers. Beginning in verse 3, it says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Jesus offers this undeserved gift of forgiveness and salvation and a merciful pardon from the punishment of hell to all who come to Him in faith. Those of us who have received these things by faith, we also have a new life in Him. We look forward to eternal life with Him, and we know that when we stand before Him, we're not going to stand before Him in condemnation, because we've been justified by His grace. Yet we also must remember, those of us who accepted that gift of forgiveness, that we too need to go and leave our life of sin. Our pardon was not meant as a free pass to indulge in sinful living. We who have been forgiven by Jesus need to turn from that old way of living, that old life of sin, and we need to live for Him. We'll still make mistakes. We'll still fall. We'll still fail. We'll still sin at times. In those moments, we need to confess our sins to the Lord and determine all the more to live for Him. And as we do leave that life of sin and live in the joy of salvation, we need to look for others we can introduce to the only one who can save them. Not by going out and making a public spectacle of sinners, but by finding those who need Christ and pointing them to the Lord. We need to introduce people to Jesus, believers, because so many people in this world, they're going to miss that gift of forgiveness, that salvation, that pardon from hell that Jesus is offering. Because they just don't know. So they're going to continue to hide their sin and live this life, hoping that they can get by in life, hoping they'll get by in eternity. But they need to know that Jesus, Jesus is waiting for them. He's just waiting for them to throw their sin at His feet and accept His forgiveness. You see, we all desperately need Jesus to come to Him in our sin, in our brokenness, in our helplessness, and receive that forgiveness that He offers. And for those of us who have done these things, those of us who have received that forgiveness, we need to recognize the truth this morning, believers, that we need to leave sin behind and lead others to the only one who can forgive them. We need to understand that we need to leave sin behind and lead others to the only one who can forgive them. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. No one else can save us from sin and its penalty. The government, politicians, celebrities, pastors, other people. No one. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can bring us the forgiveness we need. Only Jesus has the power to pardon us from the punishment our sin deserves. Believers, who are we sharing that with? Who did we share that with this last week? And who needs to hear it from us this week? 
Because if Jesus is our Savior, we need to live for him, and we need to find someone to introduce to him. What about you? What about you? If you're joining us and Jesus isn't your Savior, please do not make the same mistake those religious leaders made in John chapter 8 who recognized their sin and walked away. With hard hearts, they left. They left the one who could forgive them. If you're here and you know that you're a sinner, you know you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and received his forgiveness, don't make the mistake that they did. Don't leave the same way that you came. Because that's why Jesus came to this earth. He came to die for me and you. Because he is the perfect Savior, he took our place on the cross and took all the punishment and wrath you and I deserve. And after he died, he was buried. He didn't stay in the grave. But three days later, powerfully rose from the dead, proving that he is who he said he is. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the only one who can forgive us, give us eternal life, and pardon us from the penalty of hell. And if you have never made that decision, please don't leave here today without doing that. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's you, if you know, you know that you're not right with God, you know that you've sinned, you've never received His forgiveness, please don't leave Don't leave with a hard heart like those religious leaders did. Because right now, Jesus is standing in heaven waiting to offer you the forgiveness you need. And the Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can do that right now. You can go to Jesus Christ. You can pray to Him and let Him know that you know you're a sinner. But that you know He died on the cross for your sins. You believe he didn't stay in the grave, but he rose from the dead. and You're ready to receive that forgiveness that he offers. You're ready to give him your life. Friend, if you do that, he'll save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who's never made that decision, that today would be the day. That today would be the day that like that woman, they finally experience your forgiveness. Father, for those of us who have stepped into your forgiveness and your salvation, help us to be determined to leave our lives of sin behind. As we live in the joy of salvation, help us to find someone we can share the gospel with this week. Because there's so many people who just don't know. They just don't know that free gift you're offering to them. Open our eyes to who they are. Give us a boldness to share with them so that you would be glorified. Father, we love you. You proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us more, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.